0: to the podcast. Welcome to any new listeners. It's your host, Amaka. It is Monday morning when I am recording just a few days from publishing day on March 1st this Friday, which is crazy to think about because I feel like we just started the new year um, like last week. It still very much feels that way for me. And the fact that I'm talking about March 1st. What is time, really? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're recording this morning, after which I will head out because the weather in Chicago has been unseasonably mild. And um, the past few days, at least, And today is supposed to go up to the mid 60s. So I'm gonna head over to the Bloomingdale or Bloomington Trail, which is like 15 minutes away from me. People also call it like the Route 606 or something. But it's like this, this like really long trail that goes through the north side of the city. Similar to the High Line in Manhattan, if folks are familiar at all. And yeah, I'm looking forward to heading out there after, you know, a few months with the winter and cold because it's been a really long time. And I'm hopeful with March approaching that this is the first of many more walks for the spring and warmer season. And hopefully, You know, with the unpredictability of weather, we may just go back into (laughs) winter cold, but we'll see. I'm going to take advantage of this weather while it's here. So how was my weekend? It was good. It was good. I was feeling a bit down on Friday. I have to be honest. You know, towards the end of the week, there were just certain things that I was dealing with, but maybe I'll get into it at a later time, but it's still kind of fresh, so I don't know that I'm in the best place to talk about it, but I decided going into the weekend that despite how I'm feeling, I want to take advantage of the milder weather, and I had signed up for this historic Black neighborhood bus tour, and it was scheduled to happen this past Saturday. So I went, it was an event that was brought to my attention by one of the networking groups that I'm in. They have different chapters all over the country, and their contact for the Chicago chapter put it in, like, our networking chat. So I signed up, and I went, and I had a very, very good time. I met a couple of other group members, got to strike up some conversation, get to know some people, exchange some numbers, so I was happy about that, you know, trying to do a little bit better with uh, connecting with folks coming out of winter, because I feel like I was really Um, kind of a hermit this winter, especially since I work from home anyway. So if I am not intentional and purposeful about going out, I could be in the house for three, four days. But I think, you know, at the same time, too, I am trying to just Sorry about the background noise. They are doing construction on a duplex nearby. And with it being Monday, I think they're just getting to work. So yeah, trying to be more intentional and purposeful about getting out there and meeting people. I feel like I was kind of a hermit this winter, although I'm trying to give myself some grace because it's winter, you know, the seasons change and the days get shorter, and it's colder, and it's a period of hibernation with nature. Um, as humans, it shouldn't be different, but it is just because of the society and systems we live in. So I just try to keep that in mind. But now, with the weather getting warmer, I have no excuses, and I don't want to give myself any excuses. So. Um, I was like, you know what, let's go out, let's do this. And it felt good. It felt good. The theme and idea of community has been coming to my mind more recently. Because I have moments where I feel lonely, you know, to be honest. And I um, think that sometimes we wonder what is impacting our mood so negatively, why we're feeling how we're feeling. And sometimes it's just about connection that you need. I've struggled with the feeling of loneliness off and on in my 20s with moving around and everything. And, you know, obviously, I have A loving, I'm in a loving relationship, I have family, but I'm of, I'm one of the people that subscribe to the idea that, you know, you can't get everything from one person, you really need to have a system, you know, a system does not consist of one person, whether it's a husband, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or, you know, a best friend, or things like that, like, No one person can give you everything you need and a village is truly sometimes what is missing and what might be where your feelings of discontentment or unhappiness could be coming from. So I really am thankful for the level of self-awareness that I have and I hope that it continues to grow and mature. And at this point I was like, I feel like i feel like part of my reason for feeling a little low is you know just being at home you know i'm talking to patients during most of my day it's very service and sometimes like business in a way oriented and it's not genuine connection and that's kind of what i need you know and I guess I'm talking more specifically when it comes to um, connections with people, making friends locally, because I do have amazing friends, but they're not all you know, near me and people are busy. We all have full and busy lives and we're not always able to connect how we would like if you were in the same city or lived down the street. So, you know, all this to say, I'm glad that the weather is warming up, I really want to make it a point to get to know Chicago this summer, this spring and summer in a way that I didn't last summer, even though I feel like I tried, but we had just moved and I was still kind of in the mindset of just settling in to my new space. And now that I'm approaching nine months here, I feel like I'm kind of there. And I want to kind of dig in my heels a little bit and spread my wings and take what the city has to offer and also put effort out. Because sometimes, you know, you have to kind of give, you have to give as much as you can to get out as much as you can. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. The historical Black neighborhood tour, bus tour, was amazing. We toured Bronzeville, which is on the southern side of the city. We were accompanied by someone I would call a Chicago, a Black Chicago historian. He was this older Black male, I would guess maybe like late 60s, early 70s. He was very knowledgeable, pointed out so many... Pieces of architecture and monuments and building styles in the city and just places of significance that I had no idea was here. One specifically being the church where Emmett Till's body was viewed, I did not know was here. I thought that story happened, I thought everything around that happened down south, but Emmett Till's mom had his body viewed here in Chicago. And for folks who are unfamiliar, Emma Till was a young man around, just before the civil rights movement like kicked off um, at its height. He allegedly whistled at a white woman. And then at night, I'm not sure if it was that night or a couple nights later, A few white men came to his uncle's house where he was staying and they dragged him out and they beat him up and they threw him in, I think it was the Mississippi River. I don't know specifically, but the historian that was with us said that like they threw him in the river after beating him up. They tied like an industrial fan around his neck. I don't know if whether it was to have him sink or whatever, but he, his body was found. He was pulled out. And in amidst funeral preparations, his mother said that she wants the casket open so that people can see what happened to her son. So that was one of the events that kind of supercharged the civil rights movement in the 1960s. And having done the tour, I learned that the funeral home that we passed along the bus tour was where his body was viewed. And now that Place is a national parks monument, is the wrong word, but like a national, it's like a uh, and it's sacred. I'm thinking sacred space, I wouldn't say sacred space either, but as far as a national parks like spot, like area, it's designated as that. The bus tour guide said that it's actually gonna get like a park ranger and people are gonna be able to bring their National Park Service pamphlets or passports, I think is the word he used, and get their passport stamps there. So that was really cool. And Chicago ultimately was a major destination during the Great Migration. And it was just really great to learn More about this city. And I think, if anything, it's going to just give me a deeper appreciation for the space that I'm living in now. Because a lot of times, especially I would say our generation, you know, we move from city to city, we're chasing the opportunities and the jobs. We don't have as much time as we would like to get to know where we live and, you know, form a deeper relationship with where we are. So, I wanna take some time to do that. With this opportunity that i have in Chicago, I wanna go to more museums. The National Mexican American Museum is actually, like I would say even walking distance from me, just a couple of miles away. So I wanna take advantage of going there and just seeing what the city has to offer. So I really appreciated having that opportunity I would say that was the highlight of my weekend. I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I am working on a YouTube channel um, so that I can put out more video content and also have my podcast accessible. So (laughs) I kind of, did a um, day in my life of sorts yesterday. I took little clips of, and pieces of my day. I documented my outfit and just little things here and there that I did, made clips of. So I'm going to thread that together and I, I guess that's going to be a vlog. My intent initially was to make like a YouTube short I was like, you know, let me just make a quick short because that's a good strategy to do on YouTube if you're just, if you're new and you're trying to build your audience and your platform. So I was like, let me just do like a quick outfit of the day short, but those have to be 60 seconds or less. And my footage was almost two minutes. So I'm like, even if I cut this down, I don't think it'll be short enough. So I was like, you know what, let me just, take my take my phone and just be more mindful today which was yesterday about getting some clips here and there so i went to the library yesterday i did some essay writing which was which i was really happy about and i got a couple clips of just me being on the computer and reading and then i went to costco so i got a couple clips there so i'm gonna thread it together we'll see how it looks i got final cut pro and a couple of other video editing pieces of software that I am going to be using for videos. And I have learned that I actually really like video editing. The process of taking clips that have no real rhyme or reason individually and kind of threading it together to make it a story and adding effects and transitions and everything like that is just really awe-inspiring in a way. You know, just kind of that whole creative process. And I was kind of contemplating, is video editing and things like that creative? Because I was thinking, I think my mind was leaning more tech, but honestly, kind of taking things that don't really have any deeper meaning in isolation and putting it, making it a part of a bigger story and having the power to kind of do that and the vision do that is definitely a creative process. So I made a little couple minute video about my trip to Portugal that I shared with my travel friends. And now, you know, the video editing bug has kind of hit me. So I'm going to thread those clips together and I'll probably put it on my channel next Sunday. And I'm filming now as I am recording So, I'm looking forward to seeing how this blossoms and yeah, where we are a year from now or even six months from now. So, that was my weekend pretty much. This episode is not a book episode. I had planned on talking about All About Love, continuing that conversation with two chapters in the book, but this idea came to me. At the end of last week. And I was like, you know what? I really like this thought exercise for myself. So I'm going to make it a podcast episode. But before I do, (laughs) did anyone listening watch? And please indulge me. (laughs) I don't tend to talk about um, like movies or TV shows that much on the podcast, but I watched Mia Culpa. I'm sorry. (laughs) I watched Mia Culpa on Netflix this weekend. I watched it on Saturday when I came back from the tour. And when I saw the trailer, the preview for the movie, I was like, oh, this actually looks really good. Oh my God, Kelly's in it. I love Kelly Rowland. Travante Rhodes is in it. Ron Rieko Lee is in it. Those are the three major actors that I personally know. But who sold me was Kelly. And I'm sure that, you know, that is part of the marketing rollout. You know, Kelly Rowland is in this movie. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to see it. I know Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight, and he's done some other movies. I know Ron, Rie- Ron Rieko. I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I know him from Sister Sister. He played Tia's boyfriend on the show. I'm a big fan. So, yeah, I know those three actors, but Kelly sold it for me. And I was like, okay, I'll probably check this movie out. And then... <laughs> And then I found out that it's written and produced and directed and all the things by Tyler Perry and I was like, "Oh no. Oh no." <laughs> what am I in for? Do I watch this or do I not watch this? Because honestly, I'm not a big fan of Tyler Perry movies. I won't say I I I won't say I don't like any of them. I actually really liked Why Did I Get Married? the first one. The second one less so. That came out its probably over 10 years ago now, or even more, maybe even 15. But yeah, I would say that was the only movie of his that I like actually liked. Maybe one other, but it's not coming to mind. Um, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Was that also him? I don't remember specifically, but I also like that movie because I'm a fan of Kimberly Elise as an actress. So yeah. I watched that movie. I was torn because I was like, I really want to support Kelly as an actress. I think she has a lot of potential as an actress, but I was like, but this is a Tyler Perry thing and I kind of don't want to waste my time. But at the end of it, I got on Netflix, I saw that it was like the number one movie, you know, out, which is not far-fetched. It's a brand new movie, people are curious. So it was number one, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe this will actually be good. It wasn't. And I feel so, I feel so bad. I feel so bad because I wanted, I want Kelly to win so bad. I want Kelly to win so bad. And she's winning. She's winning in life. Like I'm sure, I'm sure she is happy. I, based off of, you know, the image and the persona that's put out there and the energy that I get from her as a public personality. She seems like a very happy, sweet, amazing person. So I, I root for her in literally everything she does. But that movie, in my opinion, was not good. It was not good. And I'm just like, <sighs> I don't want this to come off as like a dig on Tyler Perry, but I I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people like his media, his content that he puts out, his movies, his television shows. He has his audience and he caters to them, you know? And at the end of the day, you give the people that ride for you what they want, you know? I'm watching this as someone who is not even really a Tyler Perry fan. I must admit, though, that I watched his um, documentary on Amazon Prime. It was a very inspiring documentary. It was very well done. That documentary was very well done. I'm trying to remember if he, if he directed it and all that stuff. Um, I don't think so, though. I might be wrong. But anyway, the documentary was very good. I will give him that but what he does like his stuff i i'm not his target audience i guess i will just leave it at that but i watched this if kelly wasn't in this i probably wouldn't have watched it if it was just Travante and ron rico and maybe some other people truth be told i probably wouldn't have watched it but kelly i'm a fan And she was the selling point. And I'm sure she was meant to be a major selling point. So I gave it a try. And it was not good. Let me add, and this is all my opinion, obviously, that movie was not good. It was was supposed to be about a lawyer who is representing an artist, a famous artist, who is suspected of murder of his girlfriend. And... Kelly plays the lawyer, she plays the defense attorney, and Trevante Rhodes plays the famous artist. I was looking forward to some courtroom back and forth banter and you know kind of like boxing in the ring but in the courtroom. I love that stuff, you know. I love the back and forth. I love You know, the dialogue when it comes to law shows and, you know, everything like that, it draws me in. So I was, that was another thing that I was like, okay, maybe this will be a good movie because it's supposed to be a law-based movie, you know, it's supposed to be that type of thing. There was not, aside from the scene where Kelly was in the judge's chambers with her brother-in-law. There was no, there was nothing courtroom-esque about that movie. (laughs) There was not one scene where Kelly and her character Mia was defending Travante. I think his character's name is Zaire in the movie. There was not one scene, not one second in that movie. I'm sorry. not one scene or one second in that movie where you see kelly mia defending her client zaire who is trevante in that in a courtroom there wasn't one and that's what i kind of what i wanted to see i wanted to see kelly's character mia beat it up and like take no prisoners, and do her thing in the courtroom. I was looking forward to seeing Kelly's character, Mia, engage and you know act with that dialogue. I thought that would have been really powerful to see. No, it was pretty much, everything was kind of, I don't know if I'm spoiling it right now. Let me just give a quick like spoiler alert or whatever. It was pretty much a ruse. Apparently, they set up, Travante's character, Zaire, the people that set him up were Mia's um, husband and brother and sister-in-law and mother who was dying of cancer. But at the end of the day, it was a hoax and she wasn't actually sick. And, And apparently the woman who they thought that Zaire killed was hiding out in the Dominican Republic where Kelly found herself after the case kind of fell apart or whatever and she just ran there she she went there for a vacation and then happened to run into the woman that they thought was dead and then she went back to the states and found out that everything was part of a plan of her in-laws to listen it wasn't good it wasn't good (laughs) It wasn't good. And I was just like, well, you know, what was I really expecting? I was expecting a legit lawyer movie. I was expecting to see Kelly really do her thing. And honestly, she, she really, Kelly, I think, has great potential as an actress. And I think, I don't think this movie was, I don't think you could see it in this movie. I feel like there were, I feel like there were points where she was really trying to like give it her all and I could tell, but I just feel like the movie itself was just not the vehicle to have that talent really shine. So yeah, what I will give this movie though, the cinematography at points was very beautiful. They shot Kelly so beautifully, like Her her beauty really radiated in this movie. Her skin was well, like, you know, reflected as far as, like, the lighting or whatever that they used. Travante is a dark-skinned man. They shot him very beautifully. Like, the cinematography was up there with this movie. But honestly, that's all I can give it. That's all I can give it. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. I really wanted to like it. My expectations were lower than usual anyway because it's a Tyler Perry production. But I was like, this is Kelly, though. I really want to support her. And I did. I I watched it pretty much from beginning to end. But it wasn't good. And then I went on Twitter because I'm like, let me make sure that I'm not the only one. People were hate watching it. People were like, what is this? How can we go from this to this? This is a lawyer movie and not what courtroom see." (laughs) <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't so yeah i had to talk about it i didn't know where else to talk about it but i had to i was like i'm recording i'm recording on monday i'm gonna talk about it on the episode so i'm not saying don't watch it if you want to feel free if you're a kelly Rowland fan give it a stream. You know, I really root for her as just a black woman, a public personality in media and to entertainment. And she just seems like a really amazing, genuinely beautiful person inside and out. So I watched it for Kelly. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. <laughs> Let's dive into. I'm sorry. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Let's dive into um what I really wanted to talk about on this episode. So the idea that came to me this past weekend, you know, in the practice of manifesting, what I would love to see this podcast ultimately get to. The point I wanted I would want to get to would be, you know, interviewing women with public personalities, celebrities, who I feel like I have been inspired by in one way or another, whether they have memoirs out or not, maybe one day I would get an opportunity to interview one or more of these women. Um, But I'm a big believer in kind of like putting out into the world and the universe and letting God hear what you want, you know? So I was like, if, I had the opportunity to interview Black women in entertainment, in movies, media, you know, authors, entertainers, directors, fashion icons. Who would that be? You know, just across the gamut. And I made a list when I was at the library yesterday and I was like, yeah, yeah, I would be so, so honored to interview. Even if it was one of these women, you know, like it would just be amazing for me as someone who looks up to them and draws inspiration from them, you know, you know, when you might need it. So the first person that I have in mind is the person whose book I've read most recently, Carrie Washington. I would love to interview Carrie first off because of her memoir, Thicker Than Water. And a couple questions come to mind off the bat. Which I think I've even maybe raised in the episode when I talked about her book. I am very curious about how her parents received the book because she was very open, transparent, and honest about telling her truth. And, you know, in doing that and putting it out into the world, there are portions of the book where, you know, her parents are not portrayed in the best light. They're not villainized at all. But, you know, with her story being told, there's a role that her parents played, you know, that kind of prevented her from knowing her truth for such a long time. And in one of her interviews for promoting the book, she mentions that, her parents probably would have preferred to take this to their grave anyway because that's their daughter according to her father there was nothing to tell you know whether or not she's her he, she's his biological daughter is irrelevant to him that's his baby she mentioned that her mom was open to maybe writing a letter, putting it, locking it in like a safe or something, and then kind of giving directions in a will or what have you after they had died of where to find it and everything like that. So I'm just very curious if she would be open to talking more in depth about that, how her parents received it and like where they are with the book now, like how they feel about things. I would be very curious about the sandwich that she mentioned that she eats or ate when she was younger. I think it was like a was it like a butter jelly cheese sandwich or something like that? Folks that have read this book know what I'm talking about. There's this <laughs> there's a sandwich that she said that she used to eat or maybe still does, I don't know. And I was just like, I remember writing in the margins like question marks or like a hmm or something like that because I had never heard of that combination. <laughs> I've never heard of that combination of sandwich components put together ever. I feel like it was like jelly, butter, and cheese or something. So that's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek question I would just like to ask her about. Like, girl, like, how did you even, like, come to put those things together? Did it kind of strike you one day to just, like, give it a shot? Were those were those the only things in the fridge? And then you had bread and you were like, let's see what happens. Like, I'm just really curious. But, yeah. Just aside from that, predominantly asking her how her parents feel about the book. I'm curious about how knowing the truth now impacts her relationship to her career and acting because an impression I got from the book was that since there were parts of her life and pieces of herself that she wasn't really happy with and she felt disconnected to. I got the impression that acting for her was kind of a way to kind of be outside of herself and step outside of herself and not live in her present reality because of everything that was going on around her for a long time. So I'm very curious if with the truth being out there, how how has her relationship to acting changed? I know she loves it. I know she loves it as a passion and as a career. It's something that she has done for a very long time and is very good at. But I'm curious how this revelation, which I believe that's how she references it in the book, how this revelation has changed her relationship to acting at all. And then kind of zooming out a little bit, how has her relationship to acting changed just throughout her career from her first roles, um, you know, being in like high school, I believe, is that around the time, trying to remember if that's around the time she did like those, um, they're not infomercials, they're like PSAs she was doing around HIV and things like that. Doing that to now, present day, all the television, all the movies, just like everything she's done. How has that changed for her? What lessons have acting bestowed on her? Like, what has she learned? Like, if she were to advise up and coming actresses now, especially with how social media has just completely shape shifted and transformed people's relationship to media consumption, what would she advise, like, actresses coming up, you know? And how does she see the world of movies and media and recognition and accolades? Like, what does that... How does all of that play a role in her daily life, you know? Yeah, I I feel like as far as Carrie goes... That's what, that's what the basis of the interview would be. I feel like if I actually got the interview or got the opportunity to do this, I would dive a lot deeper, but off the top of my head, those are the kind of questions I would want to ask her. Next would be Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy for me has been an enormous, enormous, larger than life fashion inspiration for me, iconic. And I don't use that word lightly. People use the word icon so loosely nowadays, but I feel like there are certain people who are deserving of that title, depending on what aspects, you know, and I feel like personally for me, I don't use that word lightly. Tracy Ellis Ross is iconic with her fashion and so inspiring in that right. I remember when she turned 50, maybe last year or 2022. I don't remember when. I think it might have been 2022. She posted this montage on Instagram for her 50th. And it was, she was doing a voiceover and kind of reflecting over her career. And it was pretty much her voice speaking over clips and pictures, images of her fashion from teenagehood to present day. And I was just, sometimes I still watch that video because I screenshot it and I saved it. And I knew that there would be moments where I need like some inspiration and I can just watch it and I can just listen to her words and just draw some, you know, some whatever I need from there. I... I just love how she carries herself. I love everything she's about, you know, as far as what she puts out as a public persona. I feel like I need to say that because these public figures definitely have a public persona and their private life as they should. You know, definitely everyone deserves to have um, privacy. So I'm just going based off of what she puts out into the world. I love everything that she's about. And her fashion has been such an inspiration for me since girlfriends, since girlfriends. I even there are even certain outfits I have in my head that she wore on that show. There's this like Free City shirt she wore every couple times. And I loved that she repeated outfits on that show. You know, it was on for like eight seasons. And I do remember a couple of episodes where she wore the same thing. And I was like, I love that because, you know, you are made to think that celebrities have an outfit for every single day of the year and they never repeat and, you know, they just have that life. And that's the first and probably only time I remember a public figure on a major television show repeating outfits. I remember her wearing that Free City sweatshirt more than once, There was this, like, really flowy, flowery dress with, like, bell sleeves. I think she wore more than once. She rocked, like, green cargo pants more than once. Like, as fashion-forward as she was on that show, you know, she was still relatable in that way because most people don't have a brand-new outfit to go through every single day of the year, you know? So I really appreciated that of her on that show. And aside from that, just her fashion, you know, imagery that she puts out on social media. And just, I would just love to talk to her about her inspirations when it comes to fashion, her entire life, her entire life, and just kind of get to get get an inside perspective from her about What strikes her? You know, when she wakes up in the morning, what does she look for when it comes to styling? How much does she lean on how she's feeling? You know, if she's feeling down, does she like to look opposite of that? You know, does she, I don't know, you know, just like, I would just love to talk to her. I would just love to listen to her talk about fashion and talk about her fashion. And discuss how she, and discuss her relationship with it. I would honestly be like, Tracy, it's lovely to meet you. I want to talk about your career in fashion. Go. <laughs> you know, and just listen to every word. Just hang on every word that she says. And I think this particularly hits home for me most recently because I am trying to kind of figure out what fashion looks like for me and what my style is and what I kind of want to look like on a more regular basis and just how I want to present myself to the world physically. And just I want to feel better about myself on any given day with how I look. And honestly, I have there's This could be a whole other episode about just how my body image, the relationship to my body has changed and evolved over the years maybe that will actually be an episode but yeah I am in that phase especially with turning 35 in a few months something in me is just like you know in as much as I have not been a kid for a very long time I don't know what it is about the age of 35 that just screams adults (laughs) for me and something about that is connected to how I am presenting myself to the world. And I just want to kind of level up in that way and do better when it comes to my fashion and how I carry myself with what I'm wearing and wearing what fits me and wearing what looks good on me. And I don't want to just take that for granted or haphazardly. So, you know, I'm looking for fashion inspiration. I'm looking for places that sell clothing that... Kind of matches what I think my style is, but also kind of want to try new things because you just never know what might look good on you, on on you, but maybe doesn't look that great on the hanger, you know? So I'm kind of just in this place of just taking fashion more seriously for myself. And if I were to kind of consult someone or just want to get inspiration from someone, it would definitely be Tracy, 100%. Another reason I would want to interview Tracy is because throughout her career, throughout her career, I know her from girlfriends, you know, and I was maybe like 14 or 13 when I started watching that show. So it's almost it's over 20 years for me. And just with her being an actress, and just a media personality and a fashion forward human being. I don't ever remember her being explicitly connected to a man when it comes to relationships, marriage, that whole conversation. She has put herself out there as just herself, just a human being. And I think she has maybe done a TED Talk or like this public conversation She might have had where she kind of discusses, you know, very much truthfully so that women are evaluated and worth is placed on them based off of the roles that they play in other people's lives and who they are in relation to men and who they are in relation to having children and kind of her deliberately bucking that and not having that be who she is and kind of continuously keeping the attention and spotlight on herself as a singular human being and keeping the attention on her accomplishments and what she puts out there, I think is a rare feat. And I am so inspired by that. And I'm so proud of her for that because it's really difficult as a woman, as a Black woman in this day and age to be successful in your own right and Almost never. Like, I really can't recall a time where her narrative or story was upended or overshadowed by a man or a relationship, or I'm sure there have been rumors of, oh, she was linked with this guy or she was seen out and about with this guy, but it has never, those things have never caught fire like it's always kind of fizzled out and then this tension is refocused on her. And I don't know if that's deliberate. I don't know if it's kind of like just I don't know, but I would love to talk to her about that. I would love to talk to her about the intentionality around that if there is any. I'm inclined to believe there is and why she did that. I'm happy that she did that because it's just sometimes you can't sometimes you you, it's harder to believe certain things if you don't see them. And it would be hard for me to believe that, you know, a black woman like her could be so successful in the media and entertainment space and almost never be connected to any man, you know, and never have that or rarely have that overshadow her. So I would love to discuss that with her and just learn about her life to whatever degree she's open to sharing what it's like being Diana Ross's daughter, you know, that having that kind of like larger than life personality as a mother, how that has impacted her, you know, I would just, if she writes a memoir, which I hope she does, Tracy has lived so much life, you know, in her 50 years, and I will be buying it. I'm, I'm hoping she writes a memoir one day, hopefully not too long from now, um, and you can bet everything that I would be reading it and talking about it on this podcast. So the next person who I would love to interview is Tia Mowry. Tia Maori is the one of the twins of the infamous twin, not infamous, oh my God, excuse me. <laughs> one of the twins of the famous twin duo, um, Tia and Tamara Maori, and they are uh, notably known for their roles in the TV show Sister, Sister that aired like late 90s, early 2000s. I was a huge fan of that show. Um, my grandmother was a huge fan of that show because she was like, Of all the TV shows y'all watch and everything, these people like to just be out, you know, naked. She would say naked, but she just meant like scantily clad or maybe they had like short shorts on and a bathing suit top or something. But she's like, these girls dress so, you know, nice. And she meant that in terms of like they were like fully clothed and everything, but still had style. And I appreciated that, too. Like they had style on that show, but, you know, dressed um, on the more modest side, but still very much fashion forward. So I would just love to interview Tia because I just love the energy that she radiates with the persona that she puts out into the world. It comes off as very genuine to me. She just seems like she would be a good time. I love her laugh. It's infectious. You know, when it comes to the clips and videos that she puts out, I am curious about as far as what she would be willing to share Um, If she were to put a memoir out, which I hope she does, there was one post or one like montage video she put on Instagram, and it was giving me very much, I'm writing a book and you can expect my memoir soon type of energy. So (laughs) I actually commented, if slash when you write your memoir, I would love to interview you. Who knows if slash when that's even happening, but I'm putting it out there. Like she has lived a lot of life. She has been in the entertainment business since she was a teenager, maybe even younger. And, you know, she went through a divorce a couple years ago. Maybe it was 2022. And, you know, just kind of like going through that journey. What has that been like for her? You know, to whatever degree she's willing to be open and share about that. I would love to kind of just learn more about the lessons that she has internalized with being in the entertainment business. Um and what has in like what has it been like, you know, navigating the hair care industry because she has along with Tracy too, she has um a hair care line called For You by Tia that I've tried and I love it. I love like honestly, I don't do much with my hair. I keep I try to keep my hands out of it and I think that has definitely contributed to his health and growth. And I'm not one to really try new hair products. I just use what works for me. Before I tried Tia's hair care line, I just used um, Trader Joe's shampoo and conditioner. It's cheap and it worked well. My hair responded well to it. So that's all I've been using. But she came out with her hair care line. And I don't know, because I like Tia, I was attracted in that way to trying the hair care line. And I was not disappointed at all. Oh my God. I would venture to say that her shampoo made it so that I actually kind of enjoyed washing my hair, which I have never been able to say. Any time, ever, as a natural person with natural black hair, granted, I've also kind of I've pinned down my natural hair care washing day to a science to where it doesn't even take me that long but the products that you use definitely contribute to that experience and the fact that I actually kind of enjoy washing my hair now with her shampoo says so much and my hair feels so clean and you know the conditioner it's very good too. I prefer the shampoo to the conditioner. I feel like the conditioner is just a little a little bit too much on the like watery side for me. I don't know if I should even say watery, maybe just more liquid in terms of viscosity. I would I wish it was a little bit more creamier. But I love the shampoo and I love the like the leaving curl cream and for I believe for what you're getting, it's a great value. So honestly, that's what I've been using for my wash days with my hair since last year. Um, So I would love to learn about her process with developing that hair care line. What was her inspiration? How long did it take? Like, where did the idea come from? I would love to talk to her about that. And just, you know, I feel like she would just be a great person to interview. You know, I feel like it would be a great experience for me. I feel like I would come away just admiring her even more. So, yeah. Yeah. I would love to interview Tia Mowry, and I feel like she's gonna write a memoir soon. Soon is relative, maybe in two years, maybe in five years, but I would love to interview her. Um, Lastly, I would love to interview Ari Lennox. I am a very big fan of hers. I went to her concert last year, I think it was in March, maybe almost a year now, I went with my dear friend. She puts on an amazing show, Sounds amazing live. Looked amazing. Just everything, and I love her music. Shea Butter Baby, that album. I was actually listening to it last week, and it's just it. That album is just gonna get better with time. Honestly, it's just it's 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 gonna age like fine wine. Honestly. I, There's there's certain music and albums and songs that, you know, over time are just not they just don't hit the way they used to. And I just feel like Shea Butter Baby is just going to get better. And her most recent album, Age, Sex, Location, was amazing, too. I was also listening to that recently. I'm just a big fan of hers. I would just love to talk to her about her career thus far as a musician as a black woman navigating the entertainment industry how she sees herself now versus when she first recorded and put out shea butter baby i'd love to talk about her journey with sobriety because she has been very open about that and I didn't know I could love Ari as an admirer of her work more than, you know, until she shared that and I was just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, there are people that are struggling with this and seeing her openly and publicly talk about it and share, you know, hitting her one year anniversary, I believe it was last November, was just amazing. And it just made me love her so much as someone, you know, who is, appears and comes off of just like a real genuine person who's just navigating life in her early 30s, you know, and is just trying to do right by herself and surround herself with the right people for her and just live in her truth and, um, you know, express herself in her music. And I definitely really feel her. She's very open in her music. And I feel like her emotions, she does really well to convey how she's feeling in her music. And I just really appreciate her for that. So I would love to interview her. And I hope she writes a memoir too. I feel like she could talk a lot about her sobriety journey. She could probably give some advice around relationships in your twenties, you know. Give some insight around starting in the music industry and finding your footing, especially as a R&B neo soul artist. It can be difficult, but I feel like another reason why I connect with her and just want to see her win is because from when she put out Shea Butter Baby to Age, Sex, Location to that tour, like she you can see the growth you can see how big her platform has gotten you can see how even with the attention she gets as a public persona she is still very personable and is able to connect to her fans in a very genuine and a type of way where you feel almost like it's like one-on-one and that's very hard to do you know So I definitely admire her for that. And I would want to just talk more with her about life, honestly. And she's one of the type of people that I feel like, you know, would be a great, like, friend. She just definitely gives off great friend energy, that person that would be in your corner. And um, I just relate a lot to her. You know, I'm I'm just a couple years older, but I, I relate a lot to her. And I look up to her when it comes to... journey that she was on with sobriety and more power to her more power to her so i'm looking at the computer and i'm about to hit an hour worth of recording so i think i'm going to end the podcast here thank you guys so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode Feel free to reach out to me as always via email at contact at the lettersandlayers.com. If you have like any inquiries or questions, still would love to do a QA and a down the road. If you have any questions about life or anything you would want to ask me, if you want my two cents on anything happening in your life that you don't mind me sharing on the show, please reach out. I would love to contribute please share, please recommend this this episode or past episodes that you think other people might appreciate. And yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. And the next episode will be a continuation of the conversation around all about love. So thank you again, and I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.